0: Hey guys, you guessed it, we gotta talk about Afghanistan. We do, I know, all good things, all fun and exciting light topics over here at the Gaining My Perspective podcast. Let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh, and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Afghanistan. Goodness gracious, you guys. I was going to do a podcast about prepping, or a podcast about unity in the church. These were on the list of to-dos. And yet, here I am, and I got to talk about Afghanistan. And I, as you know, live in Tennessee, and we're having a touch of a storm, but no one's home, so I had to take this opportunity. So you guys get to enjoy, if you can hear it, some thunder and lightning, and, well, I guess you can't hear the lightning, but you might be able to hear the thunder. And I got a mic, like a real one. So hopefully the audio is going to improve as we hang out together, guys. Always an adventure with me. So let's talk a little bit about Afghanistan. I find it a little bit ironic that we're closing in on the 20-year anniversary of September 11th. And uh, the Taliban has given Joe Biden a little... uh, ultimatum maybe, you might call it, that he needs to make sure everybody's out by September 11th. I hope that's not missed (laughs) by you guys. The reason why I wanted to talk about this is it's so heartbreaking. It's such a devastating consequence, what is happening in Afghanistan right now, of the sinful nature and the fallen nature of man. I want to go back to why were we even in Afghanistan, right? There's the reasons that we're told, and then there's the the behind-the-scenes reasons, and then there's the reasons we may never really actually know. But it is naive, truly, to think that we're told all the information. Why would we be? Of course, there's national security information and, you know, agreements and so much to understand that this is why I'm not president. My daughter today just said, why don't you just be president? And I said, that is the last thing on actual earth I would want to be. And I told her, who do you think the enemy is targeting above every other human on earth, but the leader of the free country that is established under God? Do you not think that maybe the president of the United States is for sure a top five, if not top two target, of the enemy of our souls. So it doesn't matter if you are a fan of our president, no matter who our president is, I do hope you will pray for them. I do hope, I pray so fervently that Joe Biden has a outrageous encounter with our Lord and Savior. Just a life-changing, world-altering encounter that he cannot... Avoid or ignore, and it shifts the whole culture of who he is and what he does and the way that he leads. And I I don't say that because I only think Joe Biden needs shifting in those three three areas. I think Trump also needed that. I think every president needs a radical encounter with our savior in order to effectively lead this free nation. And I just fear that it is the absolute last thing on any of our president's list of to-dos <laughs> to pray or to seek the Lord or to to check in and, and discern whether or not he's leading in the way the Lord would want. I just don't know if that's a top priority for any of our presidents, and that's unfortunate. But that's neither here nor there. Let's go back to why are we in Afghanistan? We had a bit of an incident, September 11th, 2001 here on our great nation's uh, home soil, home turf. There's a myriad of conspiracies around September 11th, and I don't want to dive too far into it other than to say there was advantages to September 11th happening. And that is, obviously there's, I don't need to tell you the disadvantages. Those are obvious. The advantages for our for the administration that was in place where that it was that it united a country that otherwise might not have been very polit- politically active it was in a time where things were relatively smooth coming out of the 90s where it was like you know we we've talked about this on other podcasts where the racial divide was probably at its lowest in our entire nation's history we were just thriving coming out of the 80s just feeling on top of the world, interest rates were going down, sync was really popular, you know, like boy bands, things were looking up for the United States, and people were not very activated politically, they were not unpatriotic, but I wouldn't say they were patriotic, and I will tell you, I was um, just a couple days shy of my 18th birthday, when September 11th happened, I was in college, brand spanking new, um, College student. Actually, September 11th was my second day of college. (laughs) So, um, first time away from home, it was an alarming time, right? We all remember what we were doing, where we were. And I, as an 18 year old, you know, soon to be 18 year old, put a flag on my car, a flag bumper sticker. It was the first time I remember having any sense of pride in my country. Not that I was not prideful in my country before. But I was on board for whatever we needed to do to rectify what had been done to us. And that was a spirit. I mean, I don't know if you recall, if you were around on um, overpasses, there would be signs, you know, never forget and American flags and at schools on on chain link fences and murals. And it just seemed there was flags all over the place. It was a moment in history where we were all united and in agreement about this conflict. Now, keep in mind, the last time that we actually like sent soldiers on the ground pre-9-11 was Vietnam, right? So like, that was not a favored war for our country. That was not the same spirit of let's go. People were very mixed about whether or not we should have been at Vietnam. And I think now we can look back and say, yep, shouldn't have done that. Easier said than, you know, hindsight is 2020. So when we were moving into Afghanistan looking for Osama bin Laden and, and, you know, whoever was responsible for this egregious act on our country, we were all unified behind the reason to go there. Now, it, I'm, I was 18, so, you know, give me some grace, but it never once occurred to me that there could be any other reason that we would go to war with a country never occurred to me that other than you came and did what you did to us now we will go and find you and hold you responsible that seemed to be a good enough reason and certainly the only reason i could have ever imagined why we would have been in a war in another country well then we then the afghanistan you know war on terror and we've talked about this too it became a war on terror which was a slippery slope there's no country that you're at war with when you're at war with terror, with terror, what is that? Fear? You're at war with terror, okay? So there's no country, there's no specific group, there's no people group, there's no um, administration of any other country that can fall into that definition. And this is where things got really slippery and this is where you can see another advantage. Terror could be anything, it could be anyone, it could be any country, it could be any leader, dictator, and it could even be a civilian of the United States of America. Now, in the aftermath of September 11th, we created an entirely brand new branch of government, Homeland Security, didn't exist before September 11th, and we were all about that life, right? We were here for that. Absolutely, Homeland Security. Absolutely. And through the implementation of Homeland Security, we got things like the Patriot Act, which most people aren't even aware of the Patriot Act, but that was, gosh, early 2000s, where it essentially allowed for the collection of data in America, where anyone could be a terrorist. We at home are called domestic terrorists. We're not foreign terrorists, but we are certainly a threat, right? So the Patriot Act, aptly named, was slipped right by us. We didn't even notice that this was eliminating certain forms of search and seizure rights or limitations, I should say. It eliminated limitations on our government. It allowed our government a little bit further reach and we gave up our privacy. This might sound familiar to you for the sake of safety, because it was for the greater good. It was to keep us safe. My goodness gracious. That allowed for data to be collected off of our own personal cell phones personal conversations to be recorded and collected because you never know that allowed for um, cameras and this is something if you guys have not watched snowden there's a documentary about snowden there's also a um, dramatization movie about snowden both are good Both are super important for you to watch and understand. Edward Snowden is currently living in Russia. He's truly someone that gave it all up to alert the American people to the absolute atrocious overreach of government allowed for under the Patriot Act and abused by our our government has abused that reach there. They can and do turn on the video of your cell phone whenever they want. Turn on the video of your computer whenever they want. Collect that data. It is allowed. They are allowed to do it. Now, again, I don't want to get too slippery slopey down a conspiracy rabbit hole because I know that sounds really crazy and conspiracy. Look it up. Give it a little look. See, this is it's called the Patriot Act. It's renewed. I don't know how frequently it's renewed, but it isn't. It's been renewed ever since because people don't even understand we gave over this power that this has been going on for some time, under the banner of safety, homeland security, because we the people are the ones that are truly the threat. And jump ahead to just a couple days ago, where the three top terrorist threats, the top terrorist threats, as we are literally watching what is going down in Afghanistan, the Taliban isn't even on the list of the top three terrorist threats. Threats, Top one is mamas, moms, who are... Vaccine hesitant and against masks. We are the number one threat of terror, okay? Number two, is anyone questioning the integrity of our election? Number two. I can't even remember what number three is. But I'm sorry. Are, should those be, just give me a level-headed response, please. Should those be the top two terror threats f- to America? Given the fact that we are dealing with a potentially leaked virus that is wreaking havoc on our health and our economy and not just America, all globally, potentially a biological weapon. Who knows? We are just no one's pressuring anybody to get to the bottom of that. Perhaps that could be at the top of the list. Maybe the Taliban. I don't know. Maybe our open borders and how no one is being tested or if they are being tested, they're being released. Even if they do have COVID in the midst of a pandemic, we're seeing organized crime just absolutely having their way at our southern border, perhaps that could be on the top of the list. But no, it's moms. It's moms. It's me. I'm your number one terrorist threat, guys. So this is what was gained by something like September 11th, okay? And not to mention the fact that it has allowed us the premise to have spent two decades putting boots on the ground in another country, Forcing our way of life on another country. Now, are there advantages of us having been in Afghanistan? No question. And I don't mean advantages like, oh, you know, natural resources and all the other reasons why you go to war in a foreign country. I'm talking about actually the security and safety for the women of Afghanistan, the children. Absolutely, there's an advantage for us being there. And no one will argue that that's not good. But what we are seeing over this last couple of days is the fact that if you are... Handed something that you didn't fight for, you will let it go. And this is actually a really unique part of the American story. We have what we have here because we've fought for it and died for it and sacrificed for it, period. That's where the patriotic heartbeat, the undercurrent of this country comes from and came from. Nothing was given over, it was hard fought and one a heavy heavy price was paid for the freedoms that we now take for granted that's why there is a spirit of patriotism that's why we always say freedom isn't free because it isn't and we know it isn't now when you go and try to take what is so great about america our democracy and our freedoms and you try to implement that in another country don't get me wrong of course i think that It's the best way of governing. Of course, I think it's the best way of living life. Absolutely. But if you try to fight for a people and hand it over to them and establish it for them, it's like when you do something for your child they're not as likely when you buy them a brand new car and they get in an accident and then you buy them another brand new car you can understand they're not really appreciating the sacrifice of having to save up having to part with that amount of money to buy that vehicle and then to understand that if that car is now damaged i have to do it all over again there's a cost there's a sacrifice i understand because it is my blood sweat and tears that that raised that money, that bought the thing. I appreciate it in a different way. This is also exemplified in home ownership. The value that we find in something that is ours. When we put the term sweat equity into our home, into the home that we own, the value that is added is ours. That is, it creates a different environment, right? This is why, and I've lived in rentals and I have not improved the home because why would I? I've not remodeled. I've not even repainted the homes that I've lived in when I rented because I know it's temporary. I've not sewed into the community because I know I'm not there forever. Now, can you do that if you're a renter? Of course you can. And I know people, my father-in-law being one, who poured tons of his blood, sweat, and tears, and money into rentals that he's lived in. It's uncommon. It's not the nature of how we do it and ironically another side tangent there that is part of the marxist ideology is to eliminate home ownership for exactly that reason we we don't want people tied emotionally or mentally or spiritually to the place that they live we want everyone to be more dependent on something being given to them than something being earned by them so back to afghanistan because it was not a system that was earned fought for by those people, it was always going to be a slippery fish. It was going to be hard to hold on to because it's underappreciated, right? And I'm not being critical. I'm not, uh, this is not me being critical, I should say, of the Afghan government and how they essentially abandoned all the 20 years that we've poured into that country in the matter of a couple of hours. I'm not meaning to be critical in that way. I'm only trying to point out that it makes sense to me That when the burden of the defense, of the actual sacrifice at the precipice of having to really fight without assistance of another country, it would be daunting. It would be scary. It would be intimidating. It would be easier to run. And that's exactly what happened in Afghanistan. As we tried to withdraw, do I think we should have withdrawn from Afghanistan years ago? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's not the question. And unfortunately, that is what Biden focused on in his address of the nation is I don't question, I do not regret, I don't second guess my decision to withdraw from Afghanistan. No one is questioning your decision to withdraw from Afghanistan. Of course, we should have and needed to withdraw. The question is, did we do it responsibly? Did we do it in a way that set them up for success? Did we do it in a way that respected um, the countless people both Americans, Afghans, other nations that are on the ground in Afghanistan that will pay the price of our irresponsible removal of our troops out of there. So what happened, just to give you a very quick overview, is we announced we were withdrawing. The Taliban that was this is like, think of it as like Antifa, right? It's, it's not another nation state. It is a group of people within Afghanistan that were in charge of Afghanistan. They ruled Afghanistan before we got there. We took them out and tried to establish a more democratic governmental system over the last 20 years. Some, some would call it nation building. As a matter of fact, Joe Biden called it nation building when he was a senator which now he's saying he didn't support nation building, but he most certainly did. You can go look up the quotes of him saying such things, but that's neither here nor there. We attempted to put in a better form of government. And when we announced that we were no longer going to be there to help enforce against the Taliban, the president of Afghanistan, the person who was meant to stay and be in charge, immediately fled the country, left. Left his people. I don't know where he went. I don't know what he was thinking. I'm sure there's a lot of the nuances. I'm not going to pass judgment on this person. But what happened there is the Taliban immediately, immediately came in and started establishing themselves as the governing force. And all of our weapons and equipment that we, America, brought into that country to fight against the Taliban and equip the Afghan people to continue to fight against the Taliban immediately fell into the hands of the Taliban. Now, the Taliban is a group of people who thinks women are, you know, likened to animals, um, that they are equivalent to animals, that they, they're already taking women for wives of their soldiers. They're, they're subjects. They're lower than. So the crisis for women in Afghanistan is very high. It is, this is a dire and potentially deadly but most certainly devastating lifelong devastation for the women of Afghanistan right now the circumstances they're going that they were not in one week ago and are now in i can't even tell you how fast this changed on a dime for them there are also i've heard upwards of 5000 even 8000 americans still in afghanistan that we have no plan to get them out there are Christian missionaries in Afghanistan. Of course, the Taliban is not a Christian group. Christianity is treated very um, abruptly and finitely. It's a scary time. I cannot imagine. I actually got a prayer request this morning for two hundred and thirty-three Christian ministry uh, uh, missionaries. Excuse me, are there? And have been taken by the Taliban and have been sentenced to death tomorrow. I prayed. I am praying. I know that our final destination, our final home is heaven. And if they are about to meet Jesus, it is a good day for them. It is a sad day for us that this is what, this is the state. This is the blood that's on our hands. This is the state of the nation that we're leaving. This is a similar thing happened in Vietnam as we exited there. We should have learned. We didn't. This is worse. It was an irresponsible withdrawal. And the costs are staggeringly great for the Afghan people, in particular the women, Christian missionaries that are left behind, journalists that are left behind. There are um, dignitaries, diplomats, various Americans that have been there organizing and orchestrating the communication between our governments there are people left behind the airplanes that i have seen in pictures are full of afghan men they are at at the lowest risk the highest risk are women i'm so sad to see that women are not being allowed on these planes and taken off and and rescued out of this situation if anyone is to be rescued that is most certainly who should be first up behind Americans. Now, here's where this gets complicated. And anyone who says, no, we do not want, you know, Afghan refugees coming to the United States is immediately targeted as anti-humanitarian and like the worst people ever. And I'm like, y'all, this is complicated. Try to understand for a minute. We are currently taking on an, an invasion. There's no other way to describe it at our southern border. I've heard it just shy of two million people this year coming across our border from not just Mexico. This is not about just Mexico. This is about all all kinds of countries in Central and South America coming through European countries, Asian countries coming into these Central American and South American countries and walking their way into our across our border. It is insanity what's happening at our southern border i haven't even talked about that on any of our podcasts but it's just crazy it is a crisis at best an invasion at more honest and realistic (laughs) an invasion is more accurate we do not have resources or the wherewithal to take on the refugees that are going to be flooding out of Afghanistan. Does that mean we should take none? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it is not as easy as we should take all of these refugees. It is not that simple. There are a lot of options within that region where these refugees actually can be taken, they will be safe, and they will actually be living a much more similar life than if they were to come and endure the culture shock of coming to America and and assimilating to our culture, which is very, very different. Right. So please, before you pass judgment on anyone saying we do not want American refugee, I'm sorry, we do not want Afghan refugees in America, please pause before you pass that judgment because it is a complicated situation one that we created i understand so we should be a part of the solution no question but it is something that warrants a little bit more than a snap decision a little bit more than an easy yes this is not an easy yes right it is complicated this is why i do not want to be the president of the united states (laughs) It, it is complicated given the nature of what is going on in afghanistan it is my opinion that the very best thing and the really only thing and the and a just mandate for every one of us is to be in prayer for this situation to be in prayer over these people to be in prayer for their rescue for their safety for um god 's will to be done i don 't even know what his will would be i don 't even i don 't want to get in front of him and say what I know is best for Afghanistan. My goodness gracious, it is so easy for us to sit here in America and play you know, armchair quarterback and try to say, we know what should be done over there when we have such a minimal, even me, understanding of what is actually happening. But what I do see is people, and this is a sad video that I watched the other day, climbing up the landing gear of airplanes, trying to get out of that country and get to this one. There is something here. We are the light. There is something here that is unique. There is something special in America that people will literally crawl up the landing gear of a plane to try to get to. The freedom that we are squandering here, the freedom that we are taking for granted, the freedom that we are giving up and handing over for the sake of safety. You guys, do you want to be someday scrambling up the landing gear of an airplane and plummeting to your death from the air, because that's what the video was. Obviously, it's very hard to hold on to the landing gear of an airplane. I don't know if you know that, but I, I can't say from personal experience, just looks real challenging. I watched people do that and then plummet to their death. It was like September 11th all over again. Ironically, the people jumping out of the buildings, same imagery, same feeling, same emotional response, jumping out because it's better to be It's better to jump than to stay. It's better to jump than to stay. Think of that. As we hand over the very freedom they are scrambling up the landing gear of a plane to try to get to. As we pass that over for the sake of our safety, I want you to just take a minute and consider that. Take a minute and consider that. Because liberty is not free and it comes with a burden, and it comes with responsibility, there is no question. But I want to carry that burden, and I want to steward that responsibility. I do not want to give it up. I do not want to give it up. I hope that gave you some insight and some understanding as to the complexities of what is happening there. And again, my call to action to you would be to pray, to pray, to pray over the whole situation, up to and including Joe Biden. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Dear Lord, we pray so fervently for these people in Afghanistan, the people on the ground, the Americans, the Christians, the Afghan women, even the men there, even the Taliban, Lord. We pray over the hearts of a fallen, broken humanity. We pray for your radical intervention in our story, that you would shift hearts, Lord, like only you can, that you would encounter these people in a way that only you can, that you would rescue, that you would part seize, that you would do your good work to show these people, this world, who you are your goodness. And Lord, we know that when you act, it is magnificent, but we also know that when you don't act, it is for our good and for your glory. And we trust you above all else, above all else, Lord, our trust is in you alone. Lord, I also want to pray over our president, Joe Biden, Lord, I just pray for a radical encounter that you would show up and show out, move him, change him, shift him, anchor him, guide him, lead him so that we can be led responsibly by him. In your son's name we pray. Amen.